0: Lots of pictures of me. It's really good. Okay. You know, the interview went really good, but I got edited out, so that happens. They they did a... It was a... Are we already started? Oh, okay. Well, we're started. I'll put it on. I, I did a little interview with Caleb Radio about the 2012 thing. Had an interesting conversation with the guy. It went real well, but they had... Uh, three or four of us, and they they picked two, and I didn't get in the cut. So <laughs> it's okay. I didn't, you know, I wasn't looking to do it anyway. So There's, it's all fine. So uh, um, so never listen to Caleb Radio ever, <laughs> no matter what. Because <laughs> I'm bitter. I'm real bitter. No, it's fine. Actually, it's a real good podcast. Go and listen to it. It was it was good. Uh, one of the guys covered a lot of the stuff that I was going to cover, so it was fine. I get it, and uh, no problem. The, um, so, But it happened. It was good. It was interesting. All right, uh, so we're already going. Welcome to, uh, to our Bible study. Um, we're studying through the book of John, and uh, we're doing the whole New Testament a chapter at a time. But we are today in um, John chapter 3, and actually we're in the second half of John chapter 3, I did the first half a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then I wasn't here last week, and Barry filled in. Uh, and thank you, Barry. I heard you did a great job. I appreciate that very much. Um, but John 3 is one of those pivotal chapters. Let me uh, just sort of re- review about what we talked about the last time I was here, and then we'll read the verses we're going to talk about today, and we'll jump into those together. Now, um, the, the primary character besides Jesus in John 3 is a guy named Nicodemus, and we talked about that uh, last time we were here, and, and he's a, a very important figure because um, not only was he a religious leader, he was a political leader. He was both. And so because of that, he wielded a lot of influence and authority. And, and uh, um, you know, the, the, uh, the Jewish government would be operating at that point in time underneath the Roman occupation, but were allowed to pretty much deal with most issues as long as they were paying taxes to Rome. Rome didn't get that involved. They came in, got their money, put some troops there, and let them sort of handle themselves. And they could take care of most of their business, other than um, you see in the crucifixion story, they couldn't; they didn't have the power to execute. And that's why they ended up having to go to Rome and all the other things happened. So Nicodemus would be a, um, a member of the um, religious community as well as a political leader in the position that he holds. Uh, and so a very powerful person. So it's interesting when Nicodemus comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night. And we, we talked about the fact that um, he, um, like the Pharisees, believed that, that Jesus had come from God. And yet the choice that the Pharisees would have to make was, is, is this something that we're okay with or are we going to reject this? Because they didn't like the package. And remember, the Pharisees had, a, had a 200 years, or so years of tradition where they had been defenders of the faith. Uh, and they thought they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, but they had lost grace. Um, a relationship with God was about the law, and that's all it was about. There was no love, there was no grace, and and that Jesus came to set that straight again, um, because they had missed the, the point, and nobody could get to God anymore. And so um, Nicodemus comes sort of as a representative. Uh, fascinating that we get uh, uh, in John such a more sort of personal look and glimpse at the process, and in Matthew and Mark, we we can see we didn't see it quite so personally, but in Nicodemus, we see it in a very personal way. And uh, Jesus just sort of takes the conversation right to Nicodemus, and and remember, he said the whole thing that he says is that, that if you want to, you won't even he says you won't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And and that was just more than Nicodemus could deal with. What are you talking about? We need to go into the womb a second time. And Jesus sort of says, how come you're, if you're Israel's teacher, why don't you have a clue about this? And we looked at some Old Testament scripture that talked about a time when God would give us a new heart, uh, a a heart uh, of the Spirit, not not this hard heart that we have and that that pretty much needs to happen for all of us and it's what hopefully happens when we come to Christ is that we we take advantage of the Spirit's work in our life and He softens our hearts and we become less hard-hearted, less critical, less judgmental and, and more open to hopefully God, in the relationship with God, and we, we, we get people that we, we begin to understand at some level, although we'll never fully understand it, grace. And that um, grace is this fascinating thing that, that we struggle with. And oftentimes we, we have trouble embracing grace because we think that to embrace grace means that then, then you're licensing sin. And I would say that it's exactly the opposite, that it's, it's the law that pushes people to sin, not grace. That um, trying to follow the law Um, makes everything very impersonal, and it's very easy to break those rules. But living by grace, walking with the Lord in the Spirit, uh, you you enter into a far different sort of dynamic in relationship, and hopefully when you begin to realize the amazing love that God has, your heart's desires begin to change, and and you don't want to so much do everything you want to do. You really want to begin to live according to what He wants you to do. And this was ultimately the message that Jesus came to reestablish. Life is about a, a, a walk with God. It's about relationship with God. It's what he created you for. And, and substituting rules in their place don't work. And so th- this is the conflict and what he's trying to um, talk to Nicodemus about uh, in those first verses. Now, I want to pick up, uh, that was sort of last week, let's pick up the, the passage in, uh, in John chapter 3, verse 16. And we're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter in verse 36. And so it's there in your notes, or you can open your Bibles, follow along. There's Bibles in the pews. You'd like to grab one of those, or you can just listen to my soothing tones as I read the 20 or so verses for you. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed but whoever lives by the truth and comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, we, we have this, uh, and we, we, we continue with this conversation with Nicodemus as we pick up the chapter in, in uh, John 3:16 and 17. And, and in those famous verses, Jesus is contrasting for Nicodemus the difference between law and grace. And as I said in, the, in sort of the, the preamble, the law seems to be very impersonal and dispassionate in its demand for justice and goodness. And yet God is love and he is consumed with a passionate love for the world. See, we've got to hold that into account when we think about who God is. Because many people get a picture of God as being the big bad meanie who's out trying to take everything away from him or trying to catch him every time they do something wrong and then he makes them pay. And, and a lot of people have a tendency to blame every bad thing on God. God's out to get me. It's like, you know, even often horrible nature things are contributed are attributed to God. Well, it's an act of God. And uh, I think God gets a bad rap <laughs> because when he created it, it was perfect. It wouldn't have happened. It's sin that's broken it. and And he could fix it and he will fix it, but not until the proper time because he gave us this other little thing, this, this ability to make choices. And this is where the rubber hits the road. Are we going to choose relationship with him or not? And, and really, that's the, the, the message in this particular passage, is that there's this choice that we have to make. And, and so God demonstrates this passionate love through Christ on the cross and what he did for us. It's, it's the, the most amazing demonstration of love that there's ever been. That one who who was perfect and deserved no punishment took punishment for us that we might have life. It's it's the absolute amazing most amazing display of of love in the process. So so that that through him, those verses say, and through his death on the cross and his resurrection, um, we might have eternal life. And this idea of eternal life uh, um, carries more to it than just living forever which is certainly a part of it but but it it attaches to the very life of god so in christ we become his children and it's very significant that you get a hold of that in christ you are a child of god uh, um, which is fascinating you you become part of the family of god and I, sometimes i don't think we we really begin to absorb all that that means in our lives, but but we need to begin to take that in. We are we become his children in the process. Now he goes on, and and what he begins to what Jesus begins to talk about there in, in in the following verses is that if God hadn't acted on our behalf, we wouldn't have a shot. We were we were condemned because of our actions. We have no choice. We have no options, we have no way. And and this, you know, sort of flies against the, the cultural belief that that the way that we take care of all this business with God is, is by doing more good stuff than bad stuff. And believe me, that is a very widespread and widely held belief. If you talk to people in, a, in any sort of regular conversation, and, and this comes up, they will mostly tell you that their idea of heaven and, and relationship with God is all about being a good person. And as long as I'm a good person, then I'm all right. And And the problem is there's no other than our culture telling us that's the truth, there's no way to back that up. It's not what the Scripture says. Because, unfortunately, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned, which is the truth, and that any sin has separated us from God, and there's no way back from it, except for the way that He made. So that's the problem. You've all sinned. See, when He begins to talk about the light in that process, and, and, and see, there's a moral light in the world. We know you, you know the difference between right and wrong. All of us, and see, all of us at points in our lives have purposely chosen the wrong thing. That's sin. Everybody in the room is guilty of it. All of us have. We, there was a moral choice. There was a moral light. There was a compass. There was something inside us that told us there was this decision to make, and we went after the darkness. Men love the darkness, Jesus said people. We, 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 that sin nature flies up. We go after it. No, not always. We don't always make bad choices. But we all have at some point, and continue at some points to choose the darkness over the light. And that's the issue. See, the light was there. The, 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 this moral light was in existence from the creation. And yet we, we choose to go against it. And that's, that's the problem. That's where the condemnation goes. That's the separation. Because all of us have have chosen at some points to make this bad choice. And so it's not like, we, like I said, we always choose evil, but all of us have chosen it at some point. Now, the problem is, for a lot of us, once you choose it once or twice, it gets a lot easier to choose it. <laughs> and it doesn't even feel like you're making a bad choice anymore. It's just what you do. But it's, it's still there. And, and what you do is you snuff that light out. The, the more you continue to choose to do what you shouldn't do, you snuff that light out. And eventually, it gets harder and harder to know that it's there, and and you begin to feel less remorse, and you begin to justify your sin, right? When when I was deep in my in my stuff, not that I'm fully better, but but before Christ, when I was living the nightlife and doing all the things that that accompanied it, I had convinced myself that everybody did it, that everybody, you know, I like and I used to laugh at people that were up during the day because I was never up. That, that was like a it was like a bad thing. I started, you know, like this. I always, and the one of the worst things that could happen to me was that I overshot the night and stayed out too long because I worked nights because I worked in the bars and stuff. And and daylight would sneak up on me while I was still out because I'd be in a dark place. And and I can remember to this day that feeling of opening the door and going, <gasps> <laughs> but somehow convincing myself that this was a this was a very sort of normal, you know, type of existence. And, and it's because having made that choice over and over again, this, the light in my life had been snuffed out. And, and it was only in coming to Christ that he lived it again. And, and, uh, uh, or, you know, did whatever he did to make it real so that I began by the Spirit then to make better choices in my life. But, but he's talking about that in the process. So how we respond to Jesus, the true light, ultimately determines the outcomes of our destinies. And that's that's the reality that's what Jesus is saying this is it this is the big question it's not about this is it what you do with this is determines your ultimate destiny what do you do with with Christ and and where do you go from there and 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 so and then having made the decision to follow him it impacts our life in all sorts of significant ways but we're to be a people of grace and of love and encouragement and hope and all the things that go along with it now um, I'm interested to bring up Nicodemus some more because we're not exactly sure what he did with the encounter. But he does show up a couple more times in the book of John, which I think is fascinating, and, and which means I think that at least Jesus got him thinking. And, and you never know how far it went. But uh, the, 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 the thrust of the story moves at that moment from this conversation with Nicodemus to Jesus going back, and, and it sort of shifts over to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist testifies about who Jesus is and, and what that looks like uh, in, in the process. And, you know, the big statement there is, is he must increase, I must decrease. The ministry that John the Baptist had, which was powerful, would begin to wane now shortly before his death, and the ministry of Jesus would come and, and be established. And it was sort of a changing of the guard, of, of a, a representation of the old and, and then the new coming in Christ and what that looked like. In the process, but but we do know this, and and getting back to Nicodemus, because I want I want to close with these uh, sort of chapters. Um, We we encounter Nicodemus twice more in the book of John. Once in John chapter seven, verse fifty and fifty one, and the the religious leaders are up in arms and they're they're um, accusing Jesus of being a heretic, and it says Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, then spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? Yes. It's pretty powerful. And then they accuse him of being um, uh, from the same town as, as Jesus is or something. What, is he, is, he your, is he your homie? Basically what they say. And, and uh, read the text. And, and, uh, but we see, if, I think it's fascinating to see Nicodemus defending Jesus. there. Um, and, and so obviously Nicodemus is in the heat of the decision, the, the struggle that he has to make. And again, I don't know if you've ever seen this, and maybe you have, maybe it's... But I think that a lot of people have missed where he, where he shows up again in the book of John. And uh, he shows up at the very end of Jesus' life. And I think everybody always attributes everything that happens there at the cross to, uh, right afterwards to the ladies that were with him and to Joseph of Arimathea. But do you know Nicodemus is involved in the process? Listen, in John 19:38 through 42. Afterward... Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body down. When Pilate gave him permission, he came and took the body away. Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, also came, bringing about 75 pounds of embalming ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Together, they wrapped Jesus' body in a long linen cloth with the spices, as is the Jewish custom of burial. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never been used before. And so because it was the day of preparation, because of the Passover, before the Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Pretty fascinating to me that Nicodemus is there again. And and uh, I think it speaks volumes, but I can't, it doesn't really say, but uh, he came at some pretty important times in the life of Christ. And... and uh, I'm sure that Jesus impacted him uh, significantly, which is what he does for all of us. And uh, ultimately, Nicodemus was faced with the same decision all of us have to make. Will you follow Christ, or will you do it your way? Uh, One way is is good, and one way is not so good. And, And I think we have to keep sort of beating ourselves up to realize that every time we get out there and start doing our own thing, we end up in trouble and we end up not where we want to be, but in following Christ. He helps us. He leads us. He loves us. He guides us. He encourages us. And even when we mess up, it's come on, let's get it started all over again. And so, you know, this passage, this whole chapter is really an amazing chapter of the grace of God, demonstrated in Christ at the cross. And and my hope is that you'll see it for that and you you realize what amazing privilege we have to be able to come to Jesus and that God has made a way for us when there was no way, to have a relationship with him forever, and to be a part of his family, to be called the children of God. And that's what we get out of the rest of John chapter 3. Amen? Amen. Get you a little early night tonight, so take advantage of it and get some extra rest. But why don't you, uh, if you have prayer requests, get them up to me. If you're watching the video, um, if you're in Williston, they'll pray for you there. If you need prayer, you can call us or email us or write us. We'd be happy to pray for you do whatever we can. We're going to go ahead and pray for the group that's here. And uh, thanks for watching. God bless you.